Hey, it's Mike. Once again, our presenting sponsor is Samuel Adams, my hometown beer. I was on their Instagram page and noticed they have summer ale. Oh my gosh, I didn't know what summer tasted like, and then I had summer ale. I was like, oh, that's it, summer ale. Samuel Adams is doing this really positive thing right now, which is they're trying to support restaurant workers with what's called the Restaurant Strong Fund, along with the Greg Hill Foundation. And you can support that effort at samueladams.com. And now the show. This week, our guest is Sarah Cooper. She is a, a comedian, she's a comedy writer, uh, but most notably, America's premier Donald Trump lip sync artist. Who knew that would be a thing? Um, her videos, you must have seen them by now. They're a phenomenon They're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, millions, if not hundreds of millions of viewers. I'm a huge fan. My brother Joe goes, you should ask her if she'd come on the podcast. I go, well, lip syncing is challenging on, on the audio podcast. But then I, I was reading about her and I saw like she is wildly talented in many, many different ways. So I asked her to come on and we ended up having a great chat. So here it is. Sarah Cooper. I think that the videos, the part part of the reason they're so enjoyable is that it's cathartic <laughs> to have to have the audio uh, that I won't listen to, but when you lip sync. I somehow am okay with the experience. <laughs> that's some kind of like weird psychological thing. Cause it's like, it's the same audio. I haven't changed it at all. And yet just hearing it or seeing his face and hearing it is awful. And yet yes. so enjoyable, like to see my face and hear the audio. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's so weird to me. It's really weird. My brother Joe is pointing this out yesterday. Cause he's a big fan of the videos too. And he, he was like, he was like, can you ask Sarah, like, are there any Trump supporters who love the videos? <laughs> because they sort of, they because they're so fun that they're like, that's my guy. Yeah, it's funny yes, when you. There are. <laughs> there yeah. absolutely are, which is I've I've, you know, I'm mulling this over in my head. Like, am I being too subtle with how I'm making fun of him because I feel like it should be so obvious that I am pointing out how ridiculous he sounds and yet Trump supporters are like, oh my God, I, I love Trump, but this is great, you know? And it's just oh like, gosh. what the hell are you talking about? You know, they really are seeing a different movie. Um, and I, I like to think about it like like it's a Pixar film where there's, or any children's movie really, where there's like, a, there's a joke for the adults and there's a joke for the kids. And it's like on, yes. on some level, like you can get the satire and it's a little bit more complicated. But then on another more simpler level, you can just be like, ha, oh, you, you just fell on a banana peel. It's so funny. You know what I mean? The, of course, the subtext of what you're saying is that the Trump supporters are the kids. Well, I didn't say that. You said it. You said it. So <laughs> I did. No, no, Sarah, I didn't even say it. I didn't I, even say it. No one, I, no one said I it. I implied it, but I did not say it. <laughs> no one said anything like that. <laughs> I feel like satire in the age of Trump for me has been dead mm -hmm. because whenever people ask me in interviews about what, what do you think of, isn't Trump great for comedy? And I'm always Ugh, like, no, he's terrible. He's terrible. terrible. He's terrible. You know, because, because, because he's, 
he challenges truth mm-hmm. and the existence of truth. And if and truth is usually the setup for a joke. Right. And if there's no truth, there can be no setups. And so if there's no setups, there can be no punchlines. Mm-hmm. And that that's sort of my take on political comedy in this era. But somehow you have defied that. Yeah. It's kind of like with, you know, you're with observational humor, like you're you're pointing out things that everybody sees, but nobody says you're just, you know, bringing things to light. Um, and um, I think for the first three and a half years of this, everyone was trying to add to Trump. You know, they yes. were trying to like, yes. how can I get as, you know, how can I take what he does and like add something to make it even crazier or whatever? And then I just went in the other direction. I just went, I took everything away, you know, and I, I and I think that's why it kind of is different and, and new is because I really wasn't, I'm not wearing a tie. I don't have a, I'm not, people, I'm not painting my face orange. I'm not doing any yes. of that stuff. Yes. So. Yeah, that's what it is. And I think like in, it's of the same DNA as when Tina Fey did Sarah Palin. Right, exactly. And, and he, she was using her exact words. Yeah. And so even even if like you like Sarah Palin, right. you're still going like it's pretty funny that she's saying her exact words. Right. And it's sad, too. And I do get that, that it's it's, you know, because it. I I do feel a sense of like wait a second I'm a writer and I'm not writing anything you know like I yeah, I feel yeah. like he's almost taken away like it's great T- Trump is great for comedy no like he's awful because he's taken away my what I was supposed to be doing <laughs> you know the thing oh my God. the thing that worked for me was not writing because he because he is the punchline you know he's already done it I don't have to do anything else and so it is sad because he's not supposed to be the punchline he's supposed to be the president. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's like he he is like he is writer's block yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. He he is the he is he is the actualization of writer's block because what are you going to say? What what commentary could you possibly have Nothing. that would be more extreme than what he says is Ex- so insane. Exactly. So he yeah, he's he's basically challenged just all to just shut up and you know uh, that's kind of what I did. I shut up. <laughs> I just let him yeah, exactly, do all the exactly. talking. <laughs> so is this like something you trained for? Like, do you have like an acting background or like a clowning background? Um, I, you know, I wanted to be an actress when I was little. Um, and I always got called out for overacting. But for some reason it works in this format because it's kind of like a, <laughs> sure. it's kind of like a silent film, you know? It's, it's um, <laughs> sure. I have to emote as much as possible and, and uh, punctuate things with my face. And so it kind of, Works. So, and you've been doing stand-up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing stand-up for about 10 years. Well, I started 10 years ago, and then I quit, and then I went back, and then I quit again. But I was really um, focused on it when lockdown happened. Yes. Yes. I just I just got in my first JFL audition, um, and uh, things were looking up until they weren't at all. <laughs> so. but, but you but but in some ways like the world is your oyster career wise right now because yeah, that's so true. Because everyone sort of knows who you are. Yeah. And they know you're talented. So th- so, so those are two good things, right? Right. They, those are <laughs> they two know good who things. You are. Yeah. Usually you you get maybe one of those if you're lucky. I know. But it's so funny like the stand-up mentality of just like if it's not hard, it's not worth it. You know, it's got to be brutal, mm. you know, I got to like pour my heart out on stage for an hour or five minutes, four and a half minutes is what I would usually get after waiting for sure. an hour to get up on stage. And so like, yeah, it's crazy how I was 
slogging it out. And then I made a video and millions of people saw it. And, and the exposure has been nothing compared to anything I've ever gotten with stand-up. <laughs> and do you think after this you'll tour as a stand-up? Um, I do want to. Yeah, I would like to. Um, and, you know, I have a lot more... I have a lot more opportunity now to do that because it's weird. It's like <laughs> um, people, I think people in the industry I'm learning in sort of the Hollywood world is like they don't really like you until other people like you. Oh my Does God, that that's make hilarious. Sense? <laughs> of course. Does it make sense? I mean, you're basically defining all of show business. <laughs> so like they're like, oh, people like you? Okay, you know what? I like you too then. <laughs> so That is so true. And it, it's pretty much the reason why I never moved to Los Angeles mm. is is because that mentality is it's there in New York and entertainment for sure, but in 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 Los Angeles it's like amplified mm-hmm. to a, a hundred you know times that and and to to the point where you go to a general meeting yeah. and they're like we love you mm-hmm. and you literally like we love everything <laughs> about you and then you never hear from them again and I was like. I can't stay here. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to move to a place that messes with my head that much. Yeah, I'm New York forever. So this is called the slow round, and it's basically just like a series of prompts that that are uh, <laughs> meant to stoke your mind. And the the first one I always ask is, do you remember a smell from childhood? Yes, soap. <laughs> soap. soap I love soap. I love 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 the smell of soap and I have all my life like now it's palm olive but when I was little it was Irish spring and Me too. Same. oh really did you did well, you I've try actually, to eat it the, I tried to eat it <laughs> that's a I I have to say during the quarantine I have returned to Irish spring soap really I never after years after 20 where years where were you Duff where were you I know. I was just sort of in a body wash universe. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> are you are you judging me? I'm very much um, judging you. Body wash universe. <laughs> are you still Irish Spring? I'm still Irish Spring. It's the best smell in the whole world, next to original scent palm olive. Although I do also enjoy Tide. Like I just love any yeah. cleaning products. Like I will huff them. <laughs> Um, probably oh bad for my brain, but my God, it smells so good. <laughs> I literally was, I, I was huffing so much in, not huffing, but I was really, really deeply inhaling um, our dishwashing soap in high school. So much so that I called the number on the back of, of the uh, bottle to ask if it was okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where did you grow up? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Rockville, Maryland. Oh, yep. that's a good spot. It is a good spot. I, my high school was next to a cornfield. And no kidding. Yeah, it was. Yep. Lost I was my just virginity the- in a cornfield. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that must be an answer to another slow round question, but it's not on, it's not on here. Um, where did you, did you did you lose your virginity in a cornfield? Yes. yes. Actually, no, 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 no. It wasn't. That wasn't the first time, but it, it was one of the first times. Yep. Do you have a memory from your life, your childhood, that's sort of on a loop, but it doesn't fit into stand-up. It doesn't fit into telling a story. It's just sort of in there. Yeah, I I was dumped in the fourth grade uh, by <laughs> uh, Tony Dang. It was a very public dumping, and um, oh, gosh. I, I see it in my head all the time. Um, Tony Dang was my first 
the first guy that I was going with. We'd call it going with back then. I don't yeah, know. If, yeah. Yeah. So we were, go- we were going together for like a week and, uh, the one day, like five days into our relationship, um, Uh, everybody on the blacktop was making fun of me because, like, I developed boobs pretty early. Mm. And so everybody was, like, calling me a slut and a whore and all this stuff. And Tony was just, like, standing there, like, not saying anything. And I was, like, really hurt by that. So I did what, you know, any fourth grader would do. I wrote him a note, and I was like, listen, you know, like, if you're going to be my boyfriend, you're going to have to, like, stand up for me, you know? Like, I want you to, like, you know, you should have said something. You shouldn't have just laughed. And so we had two classes and we would switch between math and English and like we'd form a line and we would pass each other in the hallway. And so we passed each other in the hallway, I handed him this note, and then I sat through the next period wondering like what is he going to say, how is he going to respond. That period ended and we all lined up again, we all passed each other in the hallway again. Wow. I saw Tony coming toward me. I, he didn't have a note in his hand so I was just like what's going on with that because I figured he would write me a note back. But, like, five feet in front of me, in front of the entire class and all of the teachers, he just goes, hey, Sarah, consider yourself dumped. Oh, my gosh. And I was mortified. I was mortified. It was the most horrible experience of my young life. I feel like that's straight out of, like, the movie Bring It On or something. (laughs) so weird because I've looked up this phrase consider yourself dumped and it doesn't I don't even know where he got that from like I, I don't like how did a fourth grader even know how to say that like that actually so... stokes a memory in my brain which is uh, is like I think it was about fourth grade we went on a field trip and uh, my mom was a chaperone which is it makes the field trip very different it you does. know and yeah. we went to like some kind of zoo uh location and <laughs> on in the back of the bus I kissed Melissa Smith. Uh-huh. It was that thing where you kiss but you hold your hand in front of your mouth and then that person holds their hand in front oh, of Jesus. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were doing that, right? And then Melissa Smith and I both decided, like, oh, we're okay without the hand. We'll take off the safety. Ooh. And we did. And it wasn't a kiss where our mouths actually did anything, but they, <laughs> you know, they touched. They, whatever. They. <laughs> this is so graphic it was, for something that's, like, two children. Like, it's no, I know. a lot of details. No, anyway, I know. go ahead. We, ta- we, t- we tapped mouths. I mean, we tapped, <laughs> you know. And then we're at lunch. At the uh, at the zoo, um, and and so and I'm with my mom eating mm-hmm. lunch, who's a chaperone, and someone comes up and she says, "Mrs. Berbiglia, Mike and Melissa," and then they did a <gasps> simulation of two fists rubbing no. together, oh, uh, simulating that we had kissed, and I was so embarrassed. But then you know, I think I'm a dad now, and it's like. Yeah, of course it shouldn't be embarrassing at all. It's just like a natural thing that occurs and yeah. and, and but as a kid you're mortified. So, so embarrassing. Oh you my can't gosh. even you can't even believe it. Yeah. I mean just having a crush on someone and then having that person find out is like the most terrifying thing in the whole world. Was there a group growing up that, that wouldn't let you in, that you were like so mad that they wouldn't let oh. you in? Yeah, I mean, I think I had, it's not that I was mad that they wouldn't let me in, it's just that they sort of bullied me. Um, 
which was like, I was just in a weird spot because like my family's Jamaican and I, you know, we come here and we're, we're seen as African-American, but at the same time, that's not really our history. So, sure. it's, so, um, so, you know, there was just, a, I, I was just never allowed into the group of black girls. I just was never allowed oh, in that group. And I, it was yeah. because a lot of times, because like all the, all the black guys, liked me a lot um but the black girls were just and i wouldn't say like all the black girls but there was like a group of popular black girls who just were not happy with me and so anytime i would like pass by their table at lunch they would just like yell things out at me and i would like stay up at night like wondering like how am i going to avoid them tomorrow you know did you like them I just didn't know them. I just, I think I was just scared. I think I was yeah. just like, why don't they like me? And like, I just yeah. think I just wanted to avoid them because I just, I don't like confrontation at all. And so, um, you know, I just wanted my days to be <laughs> as smooth as possible. And so it was just like, how do I avoid, how do I avoid this? That's because that's what I think. When I think back to the groups that didn't let me in, which were many, <laughs> basically like <laughs> all the way until comedy uh where everyone sort of uh, didn't really want me to join the group but like but but in hindsight i'm always like i don't even know if i really wanted to be in the group i just didn't want to be pre-rejected from the group yeah i mean it's yeah i think that like with age you can have that that perspective of like, I don't, you know, cause even with guys, I'd be like, why don't you like me? It's not a guy that I like, but I want him to like me. You know what I mean? Yes, it's It somehow goes to like the core of your identity of feeling like, how come I'm so misunderstood by this person? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's also like similar mentality to like, I'll get like 10 comments on a video and there's one negative one and I'll just focus on the negative one. Of course. That person is like an idiot, obviously. Like, and, and, and has like 15 numbers next to their I would, Twitter I handle. Would do this, I would do this on stage two where it's like most people are, are smiling or neutral, but there's that one person who yeah. like doesn't look like they're having a good time. And it's like, that's the person that I remember. Me too. You know? Same. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, I don't know when that goes away. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> right. on the on the Mulaney episode, I was uh, we were talking about the same thing. It's like, did you watch the Michael Jordan documentary? Mm-hmm. So like, he always goes like, I took it personally. You know, like he always yeah. has this thing of like yeah. taking everything personally. And and John Mulaney and I were both saying how much we related to that as stand up comedians. Like, it's hard when an audience doesn't like you. You're putting forward the thing you think is funny about you, and they're going, nah, not into it. It's fascinating to me to hear either of you say that. Um, I, you know, I meant to tell you this, but like you were one of the last people I saw on stage before the lockdown. Oh my gosh. Um, you went on on stage after Tracy Morgan at oh the cellar. Oh my gosh. Do I remember? I remember that very well. You do? Of course I do, because Tracy was, I mean, Tracy's wild. He, he is. When, when he goes on stage at the Comedy Cellar, he'll pop in sometimes. And I think that people don't realize how different the Tracy Morgan they know from 30 Rock is from the stand-up comedy version of Tracy, which, mm-hmm. is, which is great, but it's different. You know, mm-hmm. and so like you witness the audiences like, <laughs> like their faces. Like some of them are going nuts and then some of them are like, Whoa! Like, cause he's 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 very raw. I mean, he's very oh, yeah. much he's very much in the vein of like 
clearly like he he loved Richard Pryor and like he's mm-hmm. very much you, you know he he's very much he goes <laughs> he goes it's it's I mean I don't want to say the word dirty but it's like he, the topics are as raw as one could imagine the topics. Yeah, exactly. And he relishes. Um, he relishes it. He, rel- he, he loves, loves it. it. Loves it. He loves making the audience feel uncomfortable. And I fucking wish I had that. You know, like I, I'm, I'm always like, he just seems like so. I don't know. Doesn't give a fuck. And I just, I'm, I've always like, oh God, do you like me? Do you like me? And so like, but anyway, I wanted to say like. Um, he cracked me up, but then you cracked me up too. And Aww. you guys are so different. And so like stuff like that inspires me. Cause it's like, there isn't a one way to make an audience laugh. I remember the thing I walked on and said, uh, yes. Uh, oh, he stole your material. Yeah. Yeah. I walked on yeah, and yeah, I yeah. said, Oh, Tracy did all my jokes. <laughs> you know, be- I love that line. I actually wrote it down. Cause I was like, I'm going to use that. <laughs> no, because he go, I mean, he's talking about like eating ass and, and like a yeah. lot of like very graphic sexual things. And yeah. I don't I don't talk a lot about stuff like that and and uh and and I talk about kissing on field trips <laughs> with your hand in front of your mouth. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I said he took my material and that and that sort of diffused any totally. sort of t- tension that's in the room of like, wait, how is Mike Birbiglia going to follow Tracy Morgan? I mean, you are such a professional. Thanks. Well, you know, I followed over the years Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, all these Dave yeah. Chappelle. I've followed sort of the best of them. And so I've developed a defense mechanism, which is I always say something along the lines of like, like I remember one time I followed Chris Rock and, and the crowd was just going totally nuts. And then I walked on and and I said, I bet when you left your house tonight, (laughs) you did not think that you were going to see Mike Birbiglia. What is the oddest thing you've ever witnessed that you weren't a part of, but you just sort of saw it? Um, the only thing I can think of is this morning I, I was walking my dog and this guy got out of his truck and was walking ahead of me. And just it, it, like the, the cologne was like wafting back towards <laughs> me. He was like 20 feet ahead of me and I could smell it. 20 feet away and it's just like how do people put on so much cologne that like someone 20 feet away can smell it like I just don't understand that yeah I've never I never got on the cologne train <laughs> I really didn't my dad my dad used to wear it and then I in high school I, I experimented with Drakkar Noir like teenagers Ooh. do and then I and did then you I, ever wear cool water no I've never worn that one but I but uh I've never been into perfume jewelry like I don't know same I'm not into anything that makes me unique or interesting. I just stay away from. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I'm no, I'm no cologne, jewelry, or tattoos. Even I don't have any tattoos either. Oh my god! One of my new jokes that I, that literally you probably have this. Sometimes you write a joke, but it like it has no home anywhere in your act. Yeah. Is, uh, I go. My body is a temple, like a fat temple that smokes. <laughs> um, and uh, no, it, it, I I think I do have some sense of my body as a temple. I mean, I think that's where that joke comes from. I've never, no, I've never thought about getting a tattoo. There's something about it where I don't know if it was, I was from a conservative Catholic upbringing or whatever, but I just, it doesn't seem like something I want to do. Because it, I, you know what it is? It feels like an obvious thing that when I age is not yes. going to age well. Exactly. And not, not, not just not aging well on your skin, but just like emotionally, I can't think of anything that I could connect to now that I know for a fact I'm going to connect to when I'm 80. 
I, I think it's also, it's just like a commitment thing. Cause I, I even have trouble like putting up artwork and posters and stuff. I don't know if you have that, but like I, you, my first you, job, like, you know, people are like, why don't you bring in a picture of your family or a picture of somebody or a plant or, and I never brought in any. So you don't like just decorating either yourself or your surroundings. Is your bedroom like that? Um, we have like a few pieces up, but most of it is stuff that my, my husband um, picked out. And I think it's just, I very rarely see something, art or anything that I'm just like, yes, that's me. That represents everything that I want to see every day. You know, I just, I, I very rarely come across anything like that. I think I'm the same way. I, yeah. have, I have very few pieces of art or anything in, in my bedroom for exact, you know, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I have never pinpointed it until now. There's, there's no single thing that I identify with and think that is who I am. Right. You know, like I, I have this story in my, in my book where I talk about how (laughs) I, I give this piece of advice, which is don't, don't show your, your wife or husband a movie that you uh, haven't seen since childhood and don't remember all that well and mm-hmm. preface it by saying, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I showed my wife the movie Top Gun and uh-huh. I, I had forgotten <laughs> that it is a homoerotic fighter jet film. Um, and, and, oh and there's, God. you know, and there's the volley beach volleyball scene and, yes. and my, you know, they're all oiled up and shirtless yes. for each other. And, and, uh, and my wife looks at me and she goes, is this the movie that's who you are? <laughs> but it's re- it really is like that's, that's such a thing is like some people go, you know, that comedian, that band, that movie yeah. is who I am. And some people don't. And I think yeah. I'm in the don't category. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the same thing when someone's like, who's your favorite comedian? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I, yeah. there's so many. I, there, I can't even... I can't even name a single one who's like my favorite and all my fa- like I like different things about so many different people. So I think one of the things that's like odd about this moment in comedy is is that like I'm reluctant to say I like a comedian because I know that that comedian has said something in his or her career that is probably regrettable or hasn't aged well. And so I don't want the person to be like, oh, Mike Rivigli likes this comedian and look what he said. You know, and it's like, it's like. It's a fascinating fear, Mike. Isn't that weird? But that's. It's so weird. But that's the, that's the, that's Twitter universe. I mean, that's, that's. I, social- have, a, I have a Louis C.K. joke in my, in my set that I, I, I love that I'll, I'll, I'll always do it. Can you say it here? Yeah. It's, um, so my husband and I met at work and um, he started working there a few years after I was working there. And uh, he, for him, it was like love at first sight. And for me, I was like, who is this weirdo? But he kept asking me out and <laughs> I, I kept saying no, um, mainly because I had just finished dating the guy who sits next to him. Um, like, and I just didn't want to be the girl who dated like the entire software engineering team. So <laughs> I, um, I kept saying no, I kept saying no, but he knew I liked comedy. And then he was like, hey, I have tickets to see Louis C.K. And that was my favorite comedian at the time. And I was like, I, I had to say yes, because like you can't say no to Louis C.K. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's oh kind of his God. brand, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I love that joke because it's a workplace sexual harassment joke wrapped in a workplace sexual harassment joke. <laughs> 
So I wrote this bit about Instagram, which is I joined Instagram, but I didn't know who to follow. Mm -hmm. You know, like it was like this thing where I was late to the Instagram party and I was like, I don't know who to follow. And my friends follow like hundreds of like models. Oh, God. Literally like models. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. It's like not that my wife wouldn't let me, but I feel like if she happened to glance at my at my phone like yeah it would just be this uncomfortable conversation and so i follow the rock oh okay that's smart and i'm i've never seen a movie with the rock i don't know anything about the rock i just thought this is a good safe choice you know what the weirdest thing about about that whole thing is that like you know for a while i was I was following uh, Trevor Noah, who I love. Sure. Um, and then I started following like some models, like um, not uh, Kylie Jenner, not Kylie Jenner. Who's her sister? I don't. Uh, Kim Kardashian. There's uh, <laughs> there's, Ky- there's uh, I don't know anything about the Kardashians. It's I, Ky- Kylie and, and Kirsten, or I, it's uh, anyway. It's this is the, the click. The clickbait for this episode <laughs> is, of course, that Sarah Cooper. Does not know the names of any I'm of the so Kardashians. I'm so proud of that. I've never been prouder of anything in my life. Like, Sarah, honestly, the fact that I don't know that, I'm so happy. That should be the name of your series. Sarah Cooper is not keeping up. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so so I was following her and I'm following, like, this other model. And then Instagram is like, Trevor Noah likes this. Like, it would let me know all of the things that Trevor Noah is liking. Oh, that's And Trevor weird. Noah is liking all of these, like, like thirst trap pictures and I'm just like I don't want to know that like yes. I just don't want to know that you know oh the internet knows way too much it knows and, and I don't think he knows that everyone can see that he's liking these things and like I don't I don't know it's just I don't know yeah the models thing I just can't get on board for so I follow the rock and then the rest of the joke is that um the only real observation I have from following the rock is a great shape you know the guy he's doing the work but 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 second of all <laughs> um I, I want to make an observation that, that, that his name is Dwayne. Mm-hmm. And that is not even close to The, the Rock. Like, right. I could see if his nickname was like Dewey or, or D Dog, D Money. I don't know. But, but at some point in his life, he had to say to his friends with a straight face hey, guys, mm-hmm. uh, from now on, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm The Rock. And they're like, okay, Rock. And he's like, no, 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 actually, the article, the, is, is crucial. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the Rock. It's like if an executive came up to me, like a TV executive came up to me and was like, your name's Mike, but from now on, we're just going to call you Sleepy Pants. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that. They're like, the boys in corporate really love Sleepy Pants, and they're set on it. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that. And they're like, look, Sleepy Pants. And I'm like, I didn't say you could call me that. And that, that's... <laughs> That's really would you be the sleepy pants though? Yeah, that's it, it would be the sleepy pants yeah. would be the proper way to say it. Uh, <laughs> but I really do think there is a boldness to asking people to call you the rock. It's a boldness, exactly. Like a boulder, right? <laughs> it's like a it's like a boulder. <laughs> that took me a moment. I love that though. I love that. Yeah, that yeah. is a boldness, so, or a boulder, if you will, a, a boulder. boulder. <laughs> a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, the Boulder. The Boulder. The Boulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another. That's another actor. The Boulder. Oh yeah, he didn't make it as far as the rock. <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> you can only you can only roll him so far. <laughs> Dude, what if there was an actor named the Boulder, and no, he I, he's I, just inspired by the rock, and he just thought, well, this is the way to make it, and he just never did. Um, and then I wrote down this, which is that I so on Instagram I I posted an announcement that. Uh, that I was doing this thing called Stand Up and Vote. This is, of course, before the quarantine. I was going to tour colleges and encourage people to vote and register voters and put on a free stand-up comedy show. And so I posted about it on Instagram, the announcement. And and mostly people are positive. They're like, this is great. This is really positive. And then, but then some people in the comments were like, MAGA! And I'm like, sure, MAGA, you know, good luck with that. You do you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I started thinking about the phrase MAGA, and I was like, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. You know what I mean? Like, MAGA! Like, it means, like, (laughs) MAGA, America first. And I'm like, right, but it sounds French. Like, like, (laughs) je voudrais expliquer le MAGA. C'est un mouvement du populisme, mais peut-être fascisme. You know what? It sounds foreign. It sounds real foreign-like. That's it. That's it. It does sound foreign. And, uh, and, And so I'm just like... I'm just like, get a new slogan, boys. This one's mm-hmm. French. And, yeah. I, and I do mean boys. Not a lot of women out there doing the MAGA. <laughs> Whenever you see MAGA women, they have this vibe like, he will kill me if I disobey. Isn't that so true? Oh, my God. And, yes. and by the way, there's a really, like, if you look at the stats, very low, yeah. low statistics of MAGA women. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Why is that, Mike? I don't know. Admit, admit, <laughs> tell me why you think that is. I mean. It's because women are smarter than men. Oh, they, that could be. That could be? Oh, my God. No, I mean, I was going to say because <laughs> the president is sexist and racist, and that's why oh, black that's people don't true. like him, and that's why yeah. women don't like him. Right, that could be true uh, as well. But also, maybe women are smarter than men, too. But you know? also, I think there is some... There's, some men and a lot of the MAGA men um, and even some people that don't support him, some men that don't support him are like, God, I wish I could, I wish I could get away with what he gets away with. You know, I think lo- there's some, some of yeah. them are like envious, even if they don't like him and they won't vote for him. They're still like, you know what? I kind of, I kind of wish I could do that. You know, well, well, John Mulaney had that joke years ago about Trump far before his, his presidency, which is, which is that Trump is, is what poor people imagine a rich, rich person, person would be. Right, exactly. Right, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's like someday I'll have a, my, you know, gold hair and buildings with my name on them, and right. and I think that that's that's a lot of it. Is it's you know, it's so funny because I, I remember when I was a kid and I, I wanted to be rich. The things that I, you do you remember the things you'd imagine getting? Because I would I thought that I would just be dressed in a ball gown all the time. Sure, and I thought that I would have a house where like I could have a room with like a lake running through it, you know, like, yeah. a, like a pot and I get, I have animals. I would just have all of these things. And it's like, it, that's kind of their perception of, of like he has gold everywhere and it's just like gaudy and ridiculous, but like, he's a, I don't know. It's, it's so funny. A, I don't, I never imagined myself being rich. I actually imagined myself, um, <laughs> living in my parents' house when they die. Really? One of the chapter titles in my book is "Can I Have This House When You Die?" Because I, when I was probably in 
fifth grade or so, I asked my parents, can I have this house when you die? And everyone thought it was so funny because it's like, when you die? <laughs> like like a kid telling his yeah. parents, like, hey, so when you die, when you're <laughs> dead, can I have the house? But yeah, I did. I, I just wanted to live in their house. Like I just, to me, it just seemed really logical that that's where you want to be is where you are, essentially. Yeah. I don't I don't know. And then I and then I think in high school in high school I had the pivot of like, well, I want to be a comedian. And then it's like, well, where are the comedians? And they're in New York. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm gonna go to New York. It wasn't like I wanted to be in New York since I was a kid. I didn't even really mm. know I didn't really know what New York was. Yeah, I yeah, me either. I, I never wanted to go to New York. I remember visiting my aunt in New York once and it just seemed like so not fun it seemed so overwhelming of a place yes i think that's right that's how i felt yeah it's i i never wanted to move here and then i always like i would watch seinfeld and like people would run run into each other on the street like and i'd be like that's so unrealistic new york is gigantic people don't just see each other and like run into people randomly and then you move here and you're like that does happen all the time actually yeah because it's not that many square miles it's not that big and you just you hang out the same places over and over again and, and you know you get to know people so I find myself, I find that New York is so small physically that I will, um, I will sometimes uh, cross the street if I spot someone who I know. I'll have to have a 10-minute conversation with. I have done that. <laughs> I, I've done the thing where I'm like leaving a class with someone and they get on the subway and I say goodbye. And then I realize that's, that was my subway too, but I don't want to run into them again. So I have to like go to the next subway. <laughs> that's the worst feeling. It is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've never confessed that anywhere, by the way. And I, I'm going to keep that in. I promise I'm going to keep that in. I'm going to try to write about that, actually. That idea of, like, that that it's almost like... I was trying to write about this the other day. Of like When I was a kid, I, I remember the smell of my parents' air conditioning in their bedroom in the summer. Because they were the only people who had air conditioning in the house. Hmm. And there's the, they, their bedroom was the only room that had air conditioning. And so my brother and I would knock on their door at like one or two in the morning if it was super hot and with blankets and pillows. And we would, and, and we could let us in and then we'd lie on the floor. And, we, and I remember the smell of carpet and I remember the smell of air conditioning. And, and, I, and, I, and it was a very fond memory. And I remember um, feeling very happy. And I, when I think about it, I think it's like, I I love I think the reason it made me happy is I I think I as a kid I just wanted to be around my parents but for them not to talk to me. <laughs> and I think that's what they wanted from me too. Like I think that's all any of us want in some ways is to just be around the people we love but no one talks. Wow, that's kind of deep. What yeah. else what else do you have in your notebook right now? So we have a puppy. She's eight months old. She's a cockapoo named Stella. And she is like the light of my husband's world. It's crazy. Um, he <laughs> loves her so much. And I just noticed that he talk. I think he talks to her the way he wishes I would talk to him. <laughs> yes. Because yesterday he was like, has, you know, has her face in his hands and is just looking at her and he's going... You're perfect. Oh, my god! You're gosh. perfect just oh the way gosh. you are. No one is asking you to change. No <laughs> one wants you to change. There's not a single thing about you that has to change. You are you are exactly, exactly as the like you're supposed to be, like all of this stuff. And I'm like, is he trying to tell me something? Oh, my God. 
Oh my gosh. And it's just fascinating to me because in my in my head, um, I think I'm saying I, in my head, I'm passive aggressively saying to him what I want to say to him, which is leave her alone. <laughs> like oh just my leave gosh. her alone. She's gonna oh leave you. She's gonna take off. Oh she doesn't gosh. like to be touched like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, it's just fascinating. And like I, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about all the things that he says to her now is like sometimes he'll be like like we took her to puppy class, yeah, um, which is like her getting socialized with the other puppies. And before the classes, he would he would again take her face in his hands yes. and go, "You're gonna dominate those other puppies. Oh You're gonna gosh. be the best puppy there. Like no one is gonna beat you." And I'm like, "Oh my god! Like this is a little cockapoo," and he's talking to her like this. It's like it's so funny to me. Yeah, it's amazing how much we project on our partners, like. Things, things that we want to be true. Yeah. Um, like I, my wife and I are kind of like the the opposite of the gender stereotype, which is that like like the wife wants to be in couples therapy and the the husband, you know, doesn't want to talk about his feelings. And like mm-hmm. we're literally the opposite. I'm just mm. like, I'm just like. So how I feel is that I would love to go for walks with you, <laughs> that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. she's like. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> and, and that's like I've been trying to figure out a bit for that on that for a while, but I don't know. Sort of, I don't know where to go with it, but it, it definitely is like I want to. It's literally like I want to talk about I, my, my I want to talk about my feelings, and she doesn't. She doesn't want to talk about feelings. Yeah, I feel like that's that's yeah. Your relationship is very similar to mine. Um, it's. You know, I, my husband's white, and I um, I dated a, I dated a few black guys, and I always felt like the black guys that I dated were didn't communicate a lot. Like I, you know, they would just kind of. <laughs> I always have make this joke about how like if I don't know what you're thinking, I can't manipulate you. So That's like I really need to know what you're thinking. That's and so great. I meet I meet my husband, and you know, he tells me everything. And like after five years, I would like to know less, you know, like I'm, I'm good. I think on knowing <laughs> everything that's going on in his that's mind. That's really funny. I, I, <laughs> I had a joke a while back that never found a home similar, which is my wife is manipulative. And the way that I can tell this is that I'm manipulative. And when mm. I try to manipulate her, it doesn't work. <laughs> and, and I think I could put that somewhere, but I don't know where exactly. But I like yours, too. We both have a manipulate your spouse joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, That's a great bit, though. Do you have anything else in your notebook? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I just have this random idea that's probably offensive, but it's like, I think straight marriage was invented by gay people to turn straight people gay. <laughs> um, and I just, because I feel like, I feel like after five years of marriage, like I just want someone who will listen to me. And, um, at, you know, like he, my husband does this thing where he'll ask me a question and then he'll literally leave the room as I'm answering the question. <laughs> yes. He will, he'll, yes. he'll be like, how did that go? And then he'll like walk into the bathroom and close the door That's while so I'm talking. Funny. And it's like, what the fuck? And 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 by the same token, like he keeps showing me pictures of motorcycles he wants to get. And I don't, what am I, I don't know anything about motorcycles. Like he's like, look at this one. Isn't this cool? Isn't this cool? Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea. I don't care. Like, so I feel like he wants to be with a guy and I want to be with a woman. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I relate to that because Jen sometimes will say, 
Like, I'm not a boy. Like, I think mm. you want to hang out with a yes. with a man. Yes, and, I, see that. I just said that to my husband the other day. And like, I don't know what to say because I know what she means and I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, Mike? Do you know what we mean? <laughs> Do you have a nonprofit that you want to shine a light on that you think is doing good work right now? Um, yeah, I would love to shine a light on the My Face organization. Um, they help children who were born with craniofacial differences. And mm-hmm. my sister was born with a craniofacial difference. And so, um, and she grew up and she didn't really have like a community of people that like knew what she was going through and knew what that was like. And so this nonprofit really supports these kids, provides them money for surgeries, and um, also just gives them a community of people that know what they're going through. So. That's fantastic. So we'll link to them in the show notes, and I'll donate to them. And um, and thanks, Sarah, for coming on today. This was a blast. I, I feel like I could I could go for two more hours. Me too. This was awesome. Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. Wow, that was so much fun. That was another episode of Working It Out with Sarah Cooper. You can follow her and should follow her. She's the best at this. Twitter, Instagram, at Sarah CPR. Follow her today. Let's get her over 2 million and 3 million and shoot her into the stratosphere because she's doing really original work. Since this interview was recorded, I received two text messages from Sarah. One simply said, Kendall Jenner. And the other said... Our AC was leaking last night, and we were cleaning it up this morning, and afterward, my husband goes to the dog and says, quote, none of this is your fault. You did nothing wrong. Our producers are Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Assistant editor Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz. Also, always a special thanks to Jack Antonoff for our music and to my wife, J-Hope Stein. Our book is Curbside. As always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created my radio fort. Well, that pillow is for the wall Uh because it's a low part of the wall. Once again, our thanks to Sam Adams, who is presenting the Restaurant Strong Fund Join them today at samueladams.com. Thanks most of all to you who are listening to these episodes. Subscribe, listen back from episode one, two, three, four, five, six, and here we are at seven. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. We're working it out. <laughs>